Richard, I have to apologize also for being late. Oh, that's fine. Though yeah. I, I don't want to say I blame it on you, but oh. I was inspired today <laughs> when I was reading your story about joy snacking. And I was thinking like, oh, I forgot that I need to come into work today because we're doing this interview and I like messed up my schedule. But then I was like, okay, what would what would Richard say? How do we take this and turn it into a moment of joy? And I was like, well, why don't I take an alternative route to work on my bike today? I'm going to go through the park. It's going to be beautiful. And it was beautiful, but it took too long. <laughs> I misjudged the distance. And then I was like, oh, wait, I'm 25 minutes late to this interview. So I apologize. It's but. okay. I hope the stress didn't detract from whatever joy you yeah, had was from it like working. a, a yeah. net positive of, yeah, of joy? I, I hope you at least <laughs> took something from it, not overwhelm it with like the time crunch. That is Richard Sima. He writes the Brain Matters column for the well-being section at The Post. Yeah, it's about everything in our, I don't know, human psychology, our human behavior, the neuroscience of everyday life. Richard just wrote a column about recent research that showed that finding joy in tiny, mundane moments can give our lives a meaning. Richard calls this joy snacking. And he's been thinking a lot about how to snack on joy. This is one of the ways that he does it. I have three cats, um, Richard, Morty, and Bruce. Um, You have a cat that's named after you. Yeah, it always always goes into a story because my partner had this cat before we met. (laughs) It's also a female so you're cat. The second Richard. <laughs> I am the second Richard, and I always have to explain. Well, when we tell stories, it's like it, the cat Richard vomited on the floor, not human Richard. Also, the female yeah. cat Richard. Female cat Richard. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that in and of itself is is a moment of joy. But anyways, you were talking about your three cats. Yeah, I mean, they're just around the house, and even just watching them play, it's probably what parents feel watching kids play. Just like you see their minute interactions and. I don't know, seeing them be comfortable and just cute calms me down when I'm stressed out, like thinking about a big story or a deadline or something like these big like goals. But yeah, there's there's just happiness right here in a cat that wants my attention. Um, and I, I think just remembering that in my everyday life, there is all these sources of joy that is readily available to me if I, you know, paid attention to it. From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm Martine Powers. It's Wednesday, December 14th. Today, we talk to Richard about what joy snacking is and how you can do it in your own life today, like right now. So when you talk about these small moments where you're noticing something, we're finding some joy in a quote-unquote joy snack, like what what does that term really mean and where does it come from? Yeah, so I think the term came uh, from a conversation I had with my editor, Tara Parker-Pope, and I had encountered this study about, you know, what brings meaning in people's lives. And these researchers found it's not just the big things, but also what they called experiential appreciation about the mundane things in our lives that still bring us a lot of meaning. But when people think about joy, I mean, like, big moments come to mind for me, right? Like, what is the most joyful moment of your life? It's when you have a baby, when you graduate from college, when you get married, like, those those big things. So, So how do you define, like, a small joy moment? Like, how do you know when you're finding, like, the baby joy? Yeah, so... I spoke with a psychologist, uh, Philip Watkins, at 
Eastern Washington University. And he argues that a lot of these joyful moments are like from reunion or from a connection with someone or something that matters to you. And so a lot of these big moments like marriage and having a baby, like those are moments of connection, obviously. I just got married a month ago and that was a joyous. Thank you. Um, But, you know, like in our vows, I was, I recollected just like how much I enjoyed uh, going to Costco and shopping with my partner or taking walks in the park. And it's like these moments sort of built up into our relationship. So I think just, you know, feeling that connection and feeling that like burst of happiness, something that like drives the soul um, even a little bit maybe not as much as a wedding, but is, is still there and still matters. Those are the small baby joy snacks. So how do you do that? How, how do you go about the process of joy snacking? Part of it is trying to be open to it. I, I think it's, it's like noticing what you already enjoy, what you have that is pleasant in your life, and leaning into it. Um, sort of savoring the sensation of that cup of coffee or, like, the feel of the cat's fur. And, you know, really, you know, noticing not just how it feels to your touch or to your senses, but also that happiness that you feel and sort of you can accentuate it in your mind when you're um, doing something that might be routine and turning it into something more joyful and meaningful. I want to talk a little bit more about the neuroscience here as well and what is happening to your brain when you get little sparks of joy. I am reminded of the iconic line from the iconic movie Legally Blonde about endorphins make you happy and happy people just don't kill their husbands. Exercise gives you endorphins. Endorphins make you happy. Happy people just don't shoot their husbands. They just don't. Um, And so I'm wondering if if this is like an endorphins thing, that when you see your cats and they're purring and they're cute and you pet them and you like get that feeling, is that endorphins in your brain? Or like what's happening that kind of gives that little um, burst of light that makes you feel good? Yeah, so there are a few chemicals that are usually associated with pleasure and these rewarding feelings. Endorphins is one, but dopamine is another that's, you know, commonly cited uh, because, you know, we see dopamine release in the brain in these reward areas when we, you know, have food that we enjoy, we have social interactions that we enjoy. And a lot of it comes from stuff that we know we enjoy, but also from the unexpected So maybe part of it could be that you're, you know, if you're open to more spontaneity, open to new experiences, you might even get more of a bump from that dopamine hit. Mm. So, Richard, we ended up asking our listeners and some of our colleagues around the newsroom about how they snack on joy. And we ended up getting quite a few responses, uh, many of them recorded voice memos, and they were just so lovely. So I thought that maybe we could just listen to a few of those and get inspired about how other people are finding these little moments of joy in their lives. My favorite joy snack is something that I've done for so many years, I can't even remember, maybe 30, 40 years Every time I see my birthday on a digital clock, I celebrate 60 seconds of birthday joy. So I sing in my head, I dance in my head, I throw my arms up and run around and celebrate. Woo-hoo. <laughs> it's just oh well, 
a little joy snack. It makes me happy. Everybody should do it. And if you're lucky, you get to do it twice a day. <laughs> My birthday is 12-28, so most days I get two. <laughs> My joy snack is a literal snack. Um, I'm obsessed with these little biscuits, cookies called Olyra Greek cookies. Um, and it is a treat every morning to have them with my coffee. Mm. Um, I feel like the reason I'm so obsessed with them is because they taste of something that I had during my childhood that I can't quite pinpoint. Um, something that I ate when I was two or three years old. And, you know, the flavor of these cookies is supposed to be carob. I'm not sure where a two-year-old English girl would have eaten carob, but, um... Yeah, every single morning I grab these cookies and just taste and just wow. think about kind of, you know, my childhood. Really weird, really weird, but um, that's definitely my joy snack is a literal snack. All right, so my joy snack is that every morning, no matter how dreary it is outside, no matter how tired I am, I get out of bed and I throw open the curtains on my bedroom window like a Disney princess. <laughs> and it's silly, uh, but it, it brings me a little moment of joy before I start my day. The first example is such a good idea. I Yeah, just like having a like moment. Like the, the birthday clock? Yeah, the birthday clock. <laughs> my birthday clock is 30th. I feel like I see 830 all the time yeah. and it has never occurred to me like oh this is my birthday minute <laughs> yeah that's a great idea just to have a moment that is your own and you like reserve that space for yourself um, and it's a good reminder um, that maybe grounds you or like gives you a pause in whatever like stress you're going through that day that this is a moment for you to celebrate that you're alive um, and you know it's easy to forget that you know this is amazing that you're still here, uh, despite whatever else you have going on. Um, I also love the Disney princess thing. Um, it might help me get out of bed better, <laughs> honestly. Um, just like having that burst of energy to the world, to the light, um, to nature, I think, that sort of evokes for me, which researchers do think is a very common universal source of joy for the awe it brings. Hmm. And the, the, the literal snack... <laughs> bringing in childhood and, you know, that I guess it it feels of nostalgia and connection to, like, you know, a past that you lived and you enjoyed, uh, maybe to family and, you know, to something, you know, a connection just built into your everyday. I, I think that's that's really lovely. Yeah. After the break, Richard explains more about how to do this in your own life and how to avoid killjoy thinking. We'll be right back. So, Richard, I feel like there might be listeners who are listening to this and thinking, 
look, I'm just trying to get through every day <laughs> and, like, doing the things I have to do. Yeah. I don't really have a lot of time for, like, sitting and contemplating um, the things that, like, ha- make me happier that I'm grateful for or that they just don't have a part of their routine that they've identified as, like, the thing that is bringing them joy every morning or every night. Mm-hmm. How, like, what is your advice for how you go about creating those routines or identifying the things that are your, like, go-to joy snacks? Hmm. I, I think when you do find yourself enjoying something, make a note of it. I think, um, you know, there's gratitude interventions where the psychologist or therapist recommends you write down things you're grateful for. And so you could do something like that for joy. What in your past week has brought you joy? And this allows you space to reflect and also maybe look for similar things in your upcoming weeks for similar like moments of joy that you could continue to seek out. And about gratitude, like, there is research showing that, you know, gratitude and joy sort of feed upon one another. Um, people who tend to be joyful, like, experience more gratitude in the future, and those who um, tend to be, you know, grateful experience more joy in the future. And so this is sort of like a virtuous cycle that you could try to cultivate by, you know, remembering what you're grateful for, remembering what you're joyful for. Um, and the third is nature is, you know, it is out there and it is around us. And even in the city, um, you can find beautiful living things um, if you, you know, take a care to look. I live in Baltimore, but there's a park nearby where I like to take walks. And, you know, squirrels and ducks are lovely, even if they're really common, because you can notice, you know, they have their little quirks. They have their little squabbles and drama And just, like, I don't know, seeing that and seeing the beauty of flowers, like, there are things around you. um, Maybe that doesn't work for you, but you could find something if you keep an eye out for it. I hear people talk about the importance of noting gratitude. And in some ways, it feels a little bit like what you're supposed to do with Thanksgiving, right? Mm. You go around the table and everyone says, this is what I'm grateful for. But, you know, I, I, I hear what you're saying that actually taking the time to, in some cases, like, literally just write down I'm grateful for the person who's next to me. I'm grateful for the place I come home to. I'm grateful for the people that I'm able to call up on the phone when something's going wrong. Um, you, you know, like like taking time to actually write those things down and reflect on them. Um, I see that it could kind of jumpstart those parts of your brain. Yeah, I, th- I think part of it is trying to, you know, shift this disposition. Because, I, I like, there's a concept called negativity bias in psychology where you know, people vary, but there's a tendency for our minds to go to stuff that might harm us because that's, you know, maybe evolutionarily good Hmm. to pay attention to and hold on to. But Mm -hmm. um, that also biases us away from the good things that are also out there um, that are also in our lives. You know, these types of exercises to write things down, to remind yourself of the good might help you shift that balance back to so you're more open to joy in the future. I appreciate that you brought up this concept of uh, negativity bias because another part um, to your article that really jumped out at me was this idea of killjoy thinking, which I guess is the opposite of joy snacking. Yeah. What, what is killjoy thinking? Yeah, the example I always think of is, you know, you're, you're going for a walk and you see a beautiful sunset, but your mind immediately jumps to, oh, it's going to get cold soon. 
you're just stealing a joy snack right out of your own mouth because <laughs> you have something that's amazing right there. Um, it is true that it's going to get cold, but you don't need to focus on that. You could still savor the moment and the joy you're getting and not cut that off. It's like the opposite of savoring. You're sort of stopping yourself from being in the moment, being present for the enjoyment that you are trying to have. I, I read that and I was like... I, I wonder how often I engage in killjoy thinking. <laughs> I, I do that too. Especially it's, these days. I feel like it's very easy to focus on the negative. Or, yeah. Um, and in some ways, I feel like that's almost uh, encouraged like by social media, by mm. like the way that, I don't know, culture is right now. It feels like there is not a thing that you can enjoy in an unadulterated way. You always have to sort of be wary of like the pitfalls of the thing or the mm. potential drawbacks or the negative parts. Yeah, I, I think it's 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 hard to navigate sometimes because you don't want to not acknowledge that there is stuff that in, is not good in the world. Like, it's not ignoring that. But we also can't go the, to the extreme where we are saying there's nothing good either because that's not true and that's also not fair to ourselves um, and to our joy. I also want to ask about the concept of Toxic positivity, which I think is a term that we hear a lot these days um, and something that I think is important to remember, right? Like, and for people who haven't heard this term before, I think it's it's, it's essentially when people feel like their negative viewpoints are being actively ignored mm-hmm. for the sake of optimism, right? Like, the people around you are like, everything's wonderful, everything's great, and you're saying, well, you know, I actually have a valid reason to not feel great in this moment, or I do want to talk about why I don't feel wonderful, but that you feel like there's not an opportunity for you to be heard Hmm. in those moments. So how do you balance the need for focusing on joy, the need for minimizing killjoy thinking, but also being able to say, yes, the sunset is beautiful, but I'm actually very cold right now, (laughs) and I'm a little worried, and I need to go inside. And your toxic positivity is preventing (laughs) me from talking about the fact that I don't feel great right now. Yeah, I think finding balance, as you say, is the key. Um, and part of it is being present for, you know, your friend who is airing something that they feel is negative and needs to be addressed. Or even yourself, you're not trying to quash uh, out all, you know, valid concerns or worries you have in your life. I think it's very important not to ignore, like, true problems so, you you know, you're able to solve them effectively. Uh, but at the same time, it's it's important not to let that override everything that's in your life. You know, you still can find moments of joy even in times of suffering and uh, pain. Um, and I think that's something worth holding on to. Yeah, yeah. So, so you're talking about like the the joy of the joy of leaning on other people, the joy of being leaned on, the joy of knowing that even in difficult moments, you have a person around you that you feel like you can really connect with or who you can listen to or they can listen to you. And that that, even in those hard moments, can be a sense of joy. Yeah, I think that sense of, like, emotional and social connection, um, a lot of it is born from, like, being present for people during difficult times. Like, that's when you know you're cared for and that's when you could show how much you care. And I, I know for myself, a lot of the joy in thinking back about like past relationships or current ones, it's from those moments that I can remember how much people care and how much I care. So that could be a source of joy, even if it's not in the moment. So what are what are the other joy snacks that are on your joy snack agenda? 
mm. for the coming weeks going into the holidays. Oh, man. There's a great cafe near me uh, that makes the best lattes. And so we try to go there every week and just pick up a nice pastry, um, a nice latte, and walk around the neighborhood um, and just see what the new shops have to offer. I'm also um, taking a trip to see my family. So just like spending time with them is something I'm really looking forward to. Um, And also, I guess, planning out what gifts I'm going to give, like just like Mm -hmm. thinking about the people that I care about and, you know, trying to figure out what can I do to make their lives a little happier and easier uh, with the gifts. Um, That brings me joy. Yeah, That sounds lovely. I feel very inspired. (laughs) I will find these joyful moments in my own life. Um, Richard, thank you so much for this. This is very lovely. Thank you so much. Yeah. Richard Seema writes the Brain Matters column for The Post. We'll include a link to his column on joy snacking in our show notes. And here's a few more joy snacks we got from listeners and colleagues. My joy snack is writing cards and postcards to friends. Um, I enjoy doing it because it reminds me of them. It makes me think of times we've shared together, and I know how much it means to receive something in the mail and know that somebody's thinking about you. Something that gives me joy is every morning... My alarm goes off, I hit the snooze, and for nine glorious minutes, I get to snuggle with my 100-pound dog named Captain. If you are looking for a constant source of joy snacks, check out our well-being section at The Post. There is a ton of great content about how to live better, how to eat better, how to take care of your mental health, how to feel fit. There's an article right now about how just three minutes a day of fast walking, or vigorous movement can actually help you live longer. It's incredible. These are the kinds of stories that you get access to when you subscribe to The Washington Post. Right now, you can save over 70% on a new premium subscription to The Post. And that premium subscription gives you a bonus subscription that you can share with somebody you love for Christmas, Secret Santa, White Elephant, Hanukkah, whatever. You can find this deal at WashingtonPost.com slash subscribe. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. Today's episode was produced by Rennie Svernovsky. It was edited by Maggie Penman, and it was mixed by Sean Carter. I'm Martine Powers. We'll be back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post.